Welcome back to The Green Rush. I'm Josh Kincaid. I'm here with Doug Miller. Green Rush is a cannabis business talk show produced by Pro Cannabis Media. We discuss new issues in the cannabis market each week, discussing a deep dive into the cannabis topics. This week, we're going to start off with what happens when there's no regulation. Well, that just sounds exciting, Josh, because no regulation means that we can actually uh, have banking and businesses could actually succeed in this kind of crazy market because it's a, a clearly being a tough time for even the biggest MSOs that have a ton of cash just because of that one major thing. And it also introduces interstate commerce, which is another huge deal because it's literally impossible to do nationwide commerce without being able to set up a, a hub in one state where you can produce cheaper than trying to set up hubs in every single state and work with them regulations. And we see that's becoming an issue. So yeah, that would be an amazing time, Josh. I can't wait to see this. Yeah, not only that, but I think um, being able to go across state lines is going to be huge too. We talked about banking that does exist. Cheaper banking is nice, but I think that's that's here investing normal business activities here being, being able to cross state lines and reducing some of the redundancies and elimination or you know reducing that i think would be huge so um before we get to what would be the top states if regulation wasn't a factor like if no if the federal government got out of our way and let us do our thing um first just take, taking a look at the top 25 companies that bds analytics looks at you could see that um 56% of 2021's uh, share um, came from house brands. That's like vertically integrated companies that have that grow their own. Now versus the total brands, uh, you can see there's 2,200 total brands and they're bringing in 1.9 billion in sales. A lot of that's coming from Cresco all the way down to Merimid, you know, on this graph. So just kind of giving us a, a baseline of, who's out there, who's doing what, and kind of what their market share is. But none of that really matters, you know, when we kind of move on to what would happen during a time without regulation. If 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 regulation wasn't a factor, you're just looking at basic like statistics, right? Like how many people are in the state of California? It's the fifth largest GDP that's gross domestic product. So the right in line with, you know, and the US is there too. So California kind of acts like their own government, right? They produce a lot but Texas is huge too. We, we've heard a lot of hype about New York, but they're down there fourth. And then Doug, you're in New Jersey and they're kind of like way down there. But and if you I add those two, it. if you add them together though, obviously they make a, a bigger market, but this is kind of just taking into consideration what would happen if the populations that exist out there were to take up their um, percentage of market share. Yeah, and I, I definitely get it. And as a New Jersey, if it was allowed to grow more, I think it would bump it up because we do have so many people in the state. But our regulations are crazy. I mean, they just they only allow so many literally all the all the operators are MSOs and there's only very few of them. And and even they're getting squeezed out. They're squeezing each other out because they're allowing other other companies needs to open up and there's just not the space for it i mean we're looking at economic times that aren't the best and then you add on all these extra add-ons to these companies and they have to mark up their prices and like you were saying they just can't do anything 
like a normal business in the in a cheap factor like banking and interstate commerce and anything along them lines and then on top of it they have extra security on top of that and then extra security on top of that and then it costs so much to just grow the quality products so there's just so many different avenues going on and then yeah the regulations just when you throw all them other things in and then you have the regulations forget about it. it's almost it's almost impossible to succeed you have to be very bright you really have to know the space you have to know the love the industry and know it like the back of your hand and also know business that well because if not you're in trouble and uh, you got to learn to pivot too yeah, and I think that's the thing that people are going to have to do in order to stay stay there. You look at Arizona and Washington, you know, Washington, where I'm at, it's been around for 10 years for the, the market. New Jersey, we talk about like we need this world domination or something. Just think about a, a restaurant. They do really well and they have one location. So you could just have your own neighborhood shop or your neighborhood you know, brewer or equivalent, you know, your grower somewhere. So... I, I think there's a lot of hype about how we need this this domination, and um, there's a lot of FOMO, and I think it's driving people um, to maybe grab more market share than they know what to do with. And that's happened with a, a few people that I've talked to, you know, publicly traded companies in the cannabis space that grabbed too many licenses, it slowed them down, they had to liquidate so they could actually move. Uh, I think Fluent was one of those companies. So I just think it's interesting that some of these states on here, you get a lot of hype, but in the end, people are already bouncing out of Florida, Oklahoma, even New York. You're seeing people just be like, yeah, that's going to be a, be a little bit of a shit show for a while. And they're supposed to come down really hard on the operators that are doing things illegally right now. So um, New York's about to get pretty interesting because uh, they're passing all kinds of legislature and and things of that nature and um yeah they're going to be coming down pretty hard so i'm kind of i want to see what happens because it just got crazy i mean so many people just started opening their doors illegally and they couldn't i mean they they, i guess they could do something about it you can always shut down whoever you're just you're the city and you have the licensing but i don't think they even had the manpower to start to do it there was so many places opening i mean they had trucks driving around i mean it was just mm-hmm. crazy and i mean they still do but i've heard that they're really gonna look to crack down on that so that's why i'm it's gonna be interesting to see yeah but for for every 30 um y- you know mobile trucks that are driving around in new york there's probably 10 bodegas that are popping up claiming to sell cbd so it's it's a full-time job trying to stop that for sure mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we did see some like cure leaf bounce out of, of California. Right. And there's uh med men tried to sell, but then they tried to get a better deal in New York. And then that deal fell through and it's like, you should have just got the money and ran, you know? So let's take a look at, um, vertical integrated retail dominance. Cause I think there's something to be said about, um, license holders and, and really how, if you get too bloated and you lose, um, focus, you you can just slow yourself down and and eventually go nowhere. Um, So the size of the market, um, when you compare it to California, because California is this huge conglomerate, you know, huge, um, huge state. So when you compare it to that, uh, Arizona is like 40% of it, but they have 61 uh, brands. 
percentage of sales is is uh percentage of sales that are branded is about half and then um of those that are branded the top five that are vertically uh from the msos are only three so i'm just seeing from the from the far right not very many of them are popular not very many of them are good. So maybe you could grow hops and 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 make a, a finished product, but it doesn't really seem like people really want that. And if you go to a place like um, Colorado, where a lot of those vertical MSOs are, are just pushing their own stuff, you don't have a lot of options. Yeah, no, you're you're stuck on their brand, and uh, and like you said, they they just grow it in house, and they don't really deal with anyone else. We kind of have that issue in New Jersey. I feel like it's. Yeah, the mm. dispensaries can sell the other dispensaries products, but I mean, you could easily just go right to that place, and they're not really like Pure Life. Pure Leaf is not really selling Breakwater's product because Breakwater is the probably the best one in the state, and so they're not going to sell a product that's just that good at their location. I mean, that would be mm -hmm. insanity. So you're only going to get as good as you're going to get in that area. And and that's it. And I don't think Breakwater even sells any other product because they don't need to. So mm -hmm. it, and that's like you're saying. I I agree. The quality and you know the, the smaller shops are going to do better in the long run. I think because less it's less overhead for one. They can control the quality of their product. And I think more people nowadays are becoming more educated. And with money being tight, they figure, hey, if I'm going to buy it it better be really good and I'll spend the extra couple bucks for it to be really good instead of just buying that average thing for, and in New Jersey, we have insane prices. We're still like $60 an eighth. It's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. That's crazy. But and, is, uh, is that flagship model sustainable long-term where, you know, like a Nike store only sells Nike versus you go to Nordstrom and you can get Nike and Adidas and whatever. Do you think that these flagship stores are sustainable? Cause Nike just had to leave Seattle. You're seeing in, in Portland, that Cracker Barrel and, and Walmart and all these stores are having to close. I laugh cause like who goes to Cracker Barrel, but um, yeah, all these stores are having to like leave, leave Portland and all these, these states. Cause um, they're not making any money and it's target had to close a ton, like 20 stores because of theft, it's not worth it. So if you're not making the revenue, is it really worth having that flagship store model or would it make more sense just to go by volume and sell whatever people want? Uh, and I would think that, I guess you have to target your areas. I'm sure each place has a target audience. I mean, I remember I went to Portland, Oregon for a convention and this was going back five, six years. And I remember going to the convenience store and literally like every single thing was in like one of them safety lock cases. And I was like, I come from the Philadelphia area, so it's not exactly the best place, but I mean, it's not terrible, but I was amazed. And like the homelessness out there, I remember taking pictures cause I couldn't believe it. And now fast forward, you see what goes on out there. So yeah. And I had asked the cashier cause it took like 25 minutes to check out because every single thing they're unlocking a case for, I mean, even like <clears throat> scissors, the dumbest stuff. I mean, it's just, and she was like, if we don't put it in there, it won't be on that shelf. And I'm like, that's just crazy. She's like, we're not allowed to do nothing. And they just come in and just take whatever they want and walk out the store and no one does anything. I'm like, how does a store operate like that? That's, yeah, that's Why exactly. would you even want to risk it? Like, it's not worth it. Like you're saying, I would rather just close the doors and not have the overhead and the, and the headaches. Yeah, that's exactly why Target had to close so many stores is because you can't prosecute. It's, it's pretty wild. 
Um, so let's see what like people are grabbing. Like if, if, uh, if regulation wasn't an issue, what would people be buying across the U S like if, if, if borders weren't a thing, probably flour is going to be top right in California is 40% right now. So it would, you would think that, um, something would have to become really, really cheaper in order to take away that market share. And I think that the number one product or, or skew that has that opportunity is beverages because it's so expensive to make and to have to duplicate that in every region is insane. So once they can have regional bottling facilities, I think that has the best opportunity. I, I think maybe the mo most overhyped segment is concentrates. Yeah, Vape pens sell for convenience, but it's not People only want it for convenience. They don't really prefer the experience or the high. And I don't think there's as many dabbers as the market anticipated. And the number of people I talk to from bud tenders to consumers alike, uh, flowers their go-to, like predominantly. No, I agree. And, and you know what the problem is with concentrates? I mean, they're amazing and they're fun if you really want to get to that level. But um if you smoke it consistently flour will just you're just wasting your money with flour so you can never really enjoy flour because your levels are just so your tolerance is just mm -hmm. off the charts and uh and vapes i honestly don't prefer them at all i understand that they're very convenient for certain people i'm a big bong smoker so i love flour and uh i would rather have the most quality flour and smoke it out of a bong very clean like you know looks like it just came out of the store clean water have it nice and filtered and have that taste and the experience and you get and and that's another thing you get the experience and feel like what them terpenes and and that actual strand does strain does for your body and um and you can get a good idea of which ones help you and which ones work better with you Hey, Doug, are, are you that guy that like when you go uh, skiing or whatever, like road trip, do you bring your bong with you and just like rip it in a car? Because I know guys that will do that, like they'll go up to the mountains and they get pulled over, they just throw it in the back seat, And they're like, oh, I hope that bong water doesn't ruin my ski jacket or whatever. But how do you travel? I, I will take a bong with me, but I never smoke and drive really. I just mm. uh, I was always I just never wanted to get caught that way. And, you know, growing up and always smoking, I would always just smoke before I left or I mean, if it's a long car trip, of course, you're going to smoke a joint or something. But no, I won't smoke a bong in a car. That's just it's just asking for trouble for to me. I uh, I always try to try to play safe than sorry. And uh, but yeah, no, I'll smoke a joint. But when I travel, I always either send it with me or bring something or I know I'm buying a bong out there and just leaving it with somebody or I do that all the time. I'll yeah, buy it. I do that in Canada. Days. I'll, I'll buy yeah, okay. a vape card and just leave it in Canada, whatever. But my lawyer said only break one law at a time. Uh, that's so a good. That's a good idea. I think that's pretty good advice. Um, pre rolls are are huge. I think they're going to probably overtake vapes as soon as um, lounges open up and the stigma goes away. Vapes again is not the ideal experience, but it is convenient. Whereas a a nice, you know, joint is going to be the preferred method. I think for a lot of people. No, I agree a hundred percent. And, uh, and now they've gotten it so easy to make the pre-rolls with the big machines and everything. Mm -hmm. So it's just, and all the cones are out. I mean, 
it's just gotten and uh, i love them to be honest with you the cones are great even them pre-rolled blunt ones and they have the like the snap bottom with the terpene profiles they're really nice i mean they come they have some really cool things but i agree 100 percent because uh pre-rolls are big 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 seller and like they just are about every dispensary and the, those those uh, pre-roll automation machines are making them ubiquitous. It's everywhere. They're easy to roll, but it's also creating some uh, issues in the industry like consolidation. Because once you're able to um, you know, reduce your expenses and then still not increase your sales, it's time to maybe look at merging with somebody else or calling it quits. And there's a lot of distressed prop, you know, companies out there doing just that. They just can't increase your sales. Looking for you know, more limited license states like CureLeaf so they can have some quote unquote competition. <laughs> and so what we can see from here is in, if we look at the 2020, 2021 data on mergers and acquisitions, there was 306. That's a lot more than in 2020. And we, you know, this, this was during COVID when sales were really high. And mm -hmm. now that sales have dropped down, people are like, oh, that was temporary. So it's going to be even worse. And we're going to see a lot more consolidation. And I think what we've seen in, in, in um, New York is a much quicker turnaround from FOMO to fear. <laughs> just straight yeah, fear, not fear missing out, but just fear like, oh, I better step out of this market. And then the people that got in during COVID were getting in at good prices. And now you look at the prices now of real estate and banking and anything you want to do. You want to get a loan for something, especially in this market you have to go outside and do different banking sources and and uh them interest rates aren't exactly low all the time they usually smack you across the head with things like that so and then your real estate's always going to be more because of what you do you have so many insurance and like i said in the beginning you have security upon security upon security and then you got to still grow the quality product, which costs a fortune for overhead. And you really need the quality people with knowledge to be able to do it. So you got to have all them pieces to the puzzle to make sure it's really going to work right. Mm -hmm. And uh, some people are like, oh, yeah, it's a cannabis business. It, it makes a lot of money. And uh, they just jump into it with like a bunch of money that they've had, they made. And it's like, and they miss the biggest piece, which are the people who know how to grow. Cause you have no idea how to scale this plant. It's, it's evident because it, it doesn't smell like hay, but it doesn't really smell like anything. It, it may look great, but it, it's a harsh smoke. And that's like 90 something percent of everything out there. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that um, a lot of the price compression, because it's a race to the bottom as a commodity to be competitive, uh, we're seeing a lot of people kind of freak out about how low prices are. I remember seeing pitch decks, you know, four or five years ago out of Philly and New York for like $7,000 a pound. And they were like, yeah, we're going to get seven to $9,000 a pound. Do you have any idea what like wholesale is running at now in, in that area where you're at in Jersey or surrounding area? Oh, I know like uh, pretty much on the legacy market, we're right around like 2000 for a nice pound of something so yeah it's uh, and i know everywhere else in the country is nowhere close to us we literally have the the highest legacy and the highest dispensary prices almost doubled than everybody else in the in the country i mean we could go to massachusetts which is like four or five hour ride and their dispensaries are only 32 dollars for an eighth and we're paying 60 and their quality is way better 
like mm. our quality here, like I say, cure relief. I mean, they're obviously closing a facility for a reason. <laughs> Let's face it. And uh, yeah, that's what we get around here. And it's kind of sad. It's almost a ripoff. So it's it's interesting to say the least. Well, good news is prices are be coming down a lot quicker than they used to because when a new state would emerge, it would take two years for those prices to come down to normal. Uh, whereas now they're like, oops, uh, supplies coming on quicker. And even if it's not consumers are like, I'll just hop over this other state or whatever, or go to my legacy or whatever. Um, so you can see that prices of pre-rolls in California are 1690. So the, this is an interesting arbitrage opportunity, right? Like if, if you were in the pre-roll business and you wanted to buy pre-rolls in Oregon for $8 and then sell them in Illinois for 22, I mean, <laughs> talk about a nice spread on that trade. Oh, 12. Yeah, you're making you're making some nice money right there. You're making more on the back end than Oregon's even selling it for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> As a middleman, that's not a lot of business models, but that would be amazing. This would be like a commodity broker's chart to be taking a look at spread opportunities on on buy and sell and what the arbitrage is. Once, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, once these state lines are removed, these prices are removed and the quality will go up because you can't have a competition or a cannabis cup in Oklahoma and be like, oh, my genetics are fire. And then somebody from California rolls in and be like, you guys are, get out of here, go home. You know, that once it normalizes the price and normalizes the quality, it's better for everybody in the industry. And I think it'll rise the uh, the competition up by trying to go back to the legacy market, getting those guys who know what they're doing back in so that they can do something about it. Because no offense to the construction workers and everybody who came in as carpetbaggers to try and like get, you know, some money, do you? Uh, but man, we need some people who actually know what they're doing. Yeah, you need the people that have the knowledge that's been doing it forever that really care about the plant. They they were doing it when it was really illegal because they cared about it, not because they wanted to try to make money. I mean, some people were doing it for the money back then, but even then people cared about it. And uh yeah, you need people like that because like you said, you get a bunch of just regular old people that just see the opportunity to make money, but they don't understand how the plant operates, how to grow it, what it's about. And uh, it's not just a tomato plant. It takes a lot. And just the drying process. I mean, that the curing process is just about almost everything. I mean, you need great genetics to start. If you don't have that, you might as well not even try. And then you got to know how to cure it. So, and then everything else in between has to be perfect, but then the curing process has to be perfect. And that's not exactly easy to do. And that's why you always get the stuff that looks good and smells like garbage and tastes like garbage because they don't know how to cure it or flush. Yeah. And or uh, anything in between. Yep. It's crazy. If you guys don't know what that means, Google it. We're going to take a 420 break. So you got time for a little puff, puff pass and Google and whatever else you need to do. Uh, but come back because we got some more uh, interesting stuff to talk about. So we will be right back. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hey everyone, it's Ryan from the Cannabis Connoisseur Podcast. If you're looking for ways to utilize cannabis to keep you healthy, strong, and sharp, 
Come join us every Wednesday where we dive into the best ways to use cannabis to optimize your life. Topics include cannabis and athletics, cannabis for productivity, cannabis for anxiety, cannabis for a healthy immune system, and so much more. If you're a curious connoisseur, this show is for you. So please head over to our page and we're looking forward to seeing you this week. Bye.